You're listening to the Sabrina Phillip podcast. In this episode, I get real about the six things I hate about the coaching industry right now. I peel back the curtain on some of the patterns I'm noticing that are creating frustration and resentment in entrepreneurs and why they're not serving us as an industry. Keep listening. You're listening to the Sabrina Phillip podcast. In this show, online business coach and self-made millionaire Sabrina Phillip shows you how to do entrepreneurship your way. She moved to Bali with $800 in her bank account and just one year later had scaled her business to seven figures. Sabrina has been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Goldcast, and Cosmopolitan. Using her signature intentional, manageable, profitable framework, Sabrina helps women make millions online. Currently traveling the world, tune in each week as she reveals the best tips, tricks, and strategies for creating the intentional life and business of your dreams. Here's your host, Sabrina Phillip. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I am sharing with you what I hate about the coaching industry right now. The answer is everything, episode over. Just kidding, but not. So I'm actually going to be sharing with you six things that I am really not loving at all about the coaching industry right now. And I want to bring awareness to these patterns, not because... I want to put anyone down. I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to make references to anybody um, because that's just not at all with not that's not in alignment with me or with my values. But I do want to bring awareness and bring conversation to these patterns that I'm noticing because I think that they're really doing a disservice to entrepreneurs. And I think that they are creating so much struggle and so much heartache for entrepreneurs. So I want you to notice these things. If you have noticed some of them, great. I'm so glad that your eyes are open to that. But if these are things that maybe you have kind of seen, but you didn't understand, and you know now you understand why they're a little bit more toxic, just keep paying attention to that. Just keep kind of noticing what you're consuming on social media. Maybe share this with a friend or someone that you notice has also kind of gotten caught up in this cycle, because I think it, again, is just creating so much strife and so much heartache. So the first thing that I'm super hating about the coaching industry right now is that it is designed at the moment, it feels like, to make you feel like there's some big secret that you don't know. And because you don't have this big secret, you suck, your business sucks, your life sucks, your relationship sucks, your weight sucks, everything about you sucks, you don't have what you want. If you had the secret and if you paid for it, then you would have everything you ever want in your life, in your business, in your relationship, in your body. And that is just not how it works. There is never ever ever in any kind of world been even in any industry right there has never been a time where one thing is going to change everything right it feels sometimes like there was a moment where it all clicked right but it's kind of like when you look at those pictures of an iceberg you kind of see the tip of the iceberg but then you look under the water and you see that there's so much more to it But I think that right now it's being positioned like there's this one thing, this one secret that you don't have and you don't know. And because of that, you don't have what you want. And what's then happening is people are getting really frustrated when they pay for that secret. And the secret is usually fluffy, yaya, BS. And it doesn't actually help them get more of what they want. It doesn't actually teach them anything. It doesn't actually change their life. And then they start to question what is it about me that is so wrong that I now have the secret, but it's not working for me? The other thing that I'm noticing as well is a lot of people are saying that they have these secrets, these codes that are kind of like channeled by God and that it is a secret that's for sale, but 
if you're looking, and this is not an insult again, like I'm not trying to stir up the pot here today. I really just want to bring awareness to what's happening is if someone is saying that they have secrets that are channeled by God, but they're for sale and you can only have them if you pay them money, that's not a business, that's a cult. And you can quote me on that because I just think that so many people are getting wrapped up in this kind of cult-like mentality where business leaders and coaches and authority figures are telling them that they have these secrets from the divine, but you have to pay for them. That's not how that works. And you might be thinking, you know, if you're a little bit sassy or a little bit bitter, you might be saying, oh, Sabrina, that's all religions. You know, sure, whatever. If you want to make that comment, go for it. But this is not a religion, right? This is a business coach. There are two different things or a relationship coach or a life coach or whatever it is. But there is no one secret, right? I think if there was one secret, it would probably be just to be very true and authentic to yourself. But that is not a secret that you need to buy or a secret that you need to know. That is something that you need to remember. You need to remember who you are. You need to remember what you're capable of. You need to remember your power. It was never for sale. It was never hidden. It was never meant to be taken away from you, right? These are things that you can remember about yourself if you want to activate your power and step into your truth. But there is not one special magical secret pill. And if you did buy one of those secret magical one-time silver bullets and it didn't work for you, just know that there's nothing wrong with you. It's not that your mindset isn't good enough. It's not that you're not strong enough. It's not that you didn't do it right. It's just that there is no one thing that's going to make a business function, right? There are so many different core functions and aspects to a business. There's marketing strategy, there's sales strategy, there's mindset, there's client retention, there's client deliverability. There is a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that needs to go right in order to make something work. That doesn't mean it's hard or bad or complicated. It would be so nice for it to just be one thing, right? It would be so nice if all you had to do was listen to a 90 minute masterclass that was going to give you some sort of secret code instead of having to do the work, but that's just not how it works, right? And if you're looking at the people who are selling these masterclasses, they are also doing so many other things in their business to have the results that they do, but it sometimes feels more difficult to sell that. Like it kind of feels hard sometimes to sell programs where it's like, actually, you need to work on these 10 different things in your business because people don't really want to do 10 different things. They want to do one thing, which kind of goes to another point that I'll share with you later about something that I'm, you know, kind of hating in the coaching industry right now. But that's the first thing was just the industry making you feel like there's a big secret that you don't know. There are no big secrets. I promise you that if there was one, it was just be true to yourself. The second thing I'm super not loving at the moment is that it has become a bit of a um, narrative that if you are using your coaching container and if you are asking too many questions then you're not doing it right and the messaging has become the transformation is in the transaction period as soon as you pay me you get activated and connected and plugged into my energy and that will change everything which again i think it goes back a little bit into this like cult-like mentality that's been facilitated where it's like if you get access to this guru who has this knowledge and these secrets that you don't then you will be expanded by being in their presence. I absolutely believe that humans and people can be expanders for you. I did an episode recently where I shared about how I view my role as a coach and I shared that one of the ways that I see myself is I wanna be an expander and I wanna be a permission slip for my clients to go big and to stretch themselves. 
But even though I'm an expander, I also have to be a teacher. I also have to be a coach. I also have to be a facilitator. You know, I have to be someone who reviews and gives feedback. And so I think the narrative has kind of become don't use your coaching container. And I think that's because a lot of coaches don't actually want to be coaching their clients. And it seems like there is this silent resentment that has built up where people feel disappointed or angry that people are asking so many questions or coming to the coaching calls or not getting it as quickly as they would like their clients to get it. And I think that's where people need to release the expectations that they're putting on their clients. I hope and I desire and I wish for my clients to use all of the resources that I make available for them. In my Millionaire Mastermind program, we have four calls a week. In my Accelerator program, we have five to six calls a week. So I want to give my clients as many opportunities as possible to get the support that they need. And so I noticed this for the first time, maybe three or four years ago, where I saw on a sales page, somebody had written, you know, oh, there's private coaching calls included, but most of my clients don't even need them. And then I started noticing that a bunch of people were doing that. And then you had people signing up for really high ticket programs, but feeling really bad if they were the one who needed to use that call. So then they didn't. And so then also there's this silent frustration and resentment on the client's part toward the coach where they feel like the coach isn't really available to meet them where they're at. So there's this kind of like here, I'm selling you this thing, but I don't want you to use this thing. And so it's discouraging clients from utilizing coaching containers, which I don't think is okay in my opinion, but I also don't think it's in the spirit of a coaching relationship because that's where the growth happens. That's where the work happens, right? It's in that relationship that you have with someone where you know who they are and what they're up to and what their business is doing. And you can give them feedback and ask them powerful questions. And if you're not willing to hold that relationship, then don't sell those programs. I don't think there's anything wrong with just selling courses or master classes or teaching containers. I think that's totally fine. Go for it. I have so many great friends who do that. My husband is an online course expert. All he does is online courses. I think that's fantastic, but don't sell a coaching container and then tell people not to use the coaching resources. And then both parties are kind of mad and a lot of relationships are getting burned. And so I think that's something I've noticed specifically over the last 18 months is just more than ever. I feel like people are really discouraged and disheartened by coaching relationships. So what I would say is if you are looking to invest in a container, I would just be asking questions around, you know, are people utilizing the resources? Like are people like showing up to calls and asking questions? Are people kind of discouraged from that? Because again, like the transformation doesn't just start and end with the transaction. It really goes interesting the process and doing the work together and in that special relationship between a coach and between a client. The third thing that I am very much hating about the coaching industry right now is something I've kind of hated from day one. Like it's been, uh, it's always been the thing. It's always been a pattern is just there being a lot of smoke and mirrors around numbers. And so one way that I have seen this, you know, since the beginning of my business is people will celebrate sales, but they're not celebrating cash. So they'll say like, oh my gosh, I had an 180K month, but maybe they sold 180K in programs, but they actually banked 20K, right? That's a huge gap. That's a $160,000 gap. I don't think that it is bad to have had $180,000 sales month. I don't think that it being a cash month is necessarily better or worse or anything like that. I just think be transparent, right? So when I share my launch numbers, 
my launches have payment plans. So it's always very clear that this is the sales number. So I had, let's say a 500K launch. Okay, that's $500,000 in sales. But how much was actually cash collected? When I'm talking about my monthly numbers or my annual numbers, I'm talking about cash collected. So again, like there's no right or wrong answer to this in the sense that sales are good. Like the number of clients signed up is good. Like it's all good. It's all worth celebrating. Like everything is something to be grateful for and to own and to just be excited about. But I think that some people are, you know, manipulating this a little bit to make it seem like they're more successful than they actually are. And then clients are signing up for those programs. And then again, disappointment, right? Disappointment because they didn't get the secret disappointment because the coach isn't showing up for them disappointment because the coach hasn't actually gotten that result and isn't able to help them do the same. So I think just being really transparent, authentic, and true about where you are in your business, especially if you're a business coach is so, so, so key. The other place that I have noticed this being very fuzzy and murky is with this concept of like run rates and financial projections. So within business, the concept of a run rate is that you're using current financial data to make a projection about future financial performance. But it is very clear that one-time sales will skew run rates. So let's say I just had a super big cash month. Let's say I just had a $400,000 cash month. And let's say that was because I had three clients paying full $133,000 or whatever. And that was where all of the money came from. The next month, I don't have any recurring payments from those clients. So let's say I'm back to $0. Do I now have a $4.8 million run rate? You might say, yes, Sabrina. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. But could I have 36 private coaching clients if I was going to sell three a month for a year in order to get that 4.8 million run rate? No, I don't even have the capacity for that, right? So these run rates and these financial projections that a lot of people are now claiming based on one high month, it is creating a lot of burnout and a lot of anxiety and a lot of disappointment because their coaches are telling them this, like, oh, wow, you're now at a million dollar run rate, but actually their monthly recurring revenue is at literally like zero dollars and zero cents. So even though they had one huge, amazing, good month, which should be celebrated and should be honored and is so awesome, the infrastructure is not there to celebrate that quote unquote run rate or quote unquote financial projection. So then when the client has a bad month or when the client dips in income, they then feel bad about themselves. They then feel disappointed in their results. They then feel resentful toward the coach because they feel like they were told something that's not actually panning out and they're not actually getting the support to build the long-term infrastructure because everything it seems these days is like starting and dying with how much money someone made each month, which you've heard me talk about this on the podcast before, but you're never starting at zero every month. But when every month you're competing to make as much money as possible, you can't make long-term plans and you can't make long-term decisions. So I would much rather have a client who makes $0 every month for six months, and then they start to have really sustainable growth, increasing the recurring revenue by $10,000, $15,000 a month, every single month, because they did the work that person is going to make so much more money than the client who had one or two big months during the year. So remember, one-time sales are going to skew run rates. Don't worry about that. Don't let that get you disappointed. Just kind of ask yourself like average on average, how much am I making? 
each month over the last three months. That's how I would be doing it. And this is what I ask clients and applications to work with me. How much are you making on average over the last three months? That I would say is a much more accurate run rate. So let's say you've made $5,000, $8,000, and then $9,000. I'm not the best at math, but I think that's 22,000. So 22 divided by three, that's like $7,500. So that will be about a 90K year, right? So if you wanna say I'm on track for six figures, yeah, you're on track for six figures, right? You have one or two good months, like you're definitely gonna make the six figures. You're super close to that. But if you were then saying like, hmm, um, let's say you have one $15,000 month in there because you had a launch and now you're like, oh, I'm gonna have an $180,000 year. I mean, you could, right? Like it's super possible. Like if you do the work, yes, you can go do that. But if your strategy and your decision and your quote unquote run rate relies on you repeating that one big month from that one launch, that's just not how business works. And you are going to be disappointed when people get disappointed, they slow down. When they slow down, they stop making money, they get into energetic dips, they get into funks, they stop selling. So keeping your mindset and your energy and your relationship to the highs and lows of income and entrepreneurship is really, really essential. So I think we are demonizing low income months and that needs to stop, right? It really doesn't matter how much money you made this month or last month or whatever. What matters is how do you feel in your business? How much are you gonna make this year? How much profit do you have? How happy you are? Those are much more important questions. And a lot of the smoke and mirrors that's happening around numbers is just making people really disappointed. Another thing I'm also noticing is, um, you know, people will like sell in one currency, but report in another, which kind of goes back to this idea of like people will, you know, say how much they sold, but they're not clear about cash or profit, which you don't have to share numbers if you don't want to, like it's nobody's business, it's totally private to you but just be transparent when you do so that you don't kind of muddy expectations for clients. But yeah, I've noticed some people who will say, um, you know, I had a client, potential client, I didn't accept them to my program. They applied for my program and it was for um, multiple six-figure entrepreneurs scaling to seven figures. And so they were making multiple six figures in their currency, but in US dollars, it was like $10,000 a year. So just not at all a financial fit. So I asked my clients to report their income to me in cash USD since I'm an American and I think in US dollars so I can kind of know where they are. But yeah, some people will sell in US dollars, but then they'll report it in their local currency. So it looks like a much bigger number, which for you, maybe it is, right? That is your local currency. It feels super big. It's super huge. It's amazing. It's exciting. It's worth celebrating. But again, it just creates some confusion and people think that you're somewhere where you're not. And if you're selling this kind of, hi, I have this big secret, which is why I have these big results, but the results aren't actually what you say they are. And then people buy into that secret and then you don't actually wanna coach them. It creates a lot of disappointment. So the fourth thing that I am not loving about the coaching industry, isn't this conversation such an upper? Isn't this making you feel so excited? Um, so the fourth thing is a lack of boundaries and contracts. So. I love contracts. I am a huge fan of contracts. I have so many lawyers. I have intellectual property lawyers, trademark lawyers, um, small business lawyers, tax lawyers, you name it, um, immigration lawyers, blah, blah, blah. Like I just love lawyers. Like I think that they are 
people who want to help you, who believe in boundaries. I know that some people have seen like Netflix shows or whatever. And they're like, oh my God, lawyers are so mean. Some of them are, but like there are some mean people in any profession. But for the most part, the way I view lawyers and boundaries and contracts is we're setting expectations and it's a relationship where I am protected, but also where you are protected. And so sometimes people only think of it as a one-way thing. So they think that the only purpose of a contract is to have a refund policy. But this is a real example that I've seen many times where you as the client would have really benefited from a contract. So some people are getting lured into programs with kind of this promise of there's no contract, leave whenever, whenever you feel complete, you can leave. But then what happens is the client signs up for that program and then the coach will literally steal the content or intellectual property of the client and then go sell it as their own. And then when the client is upset, there is no kind of contract protecting um, like boundaries or confidentiality or what's discussed or payments. So the coach is just kind of like, okay, no worries. If you don't want to work together, that's fine. And there's no clear path to resolve disputes, right? So something that a contract should have is a dispute resolution process. So whether that's the court system or mediation or arbitration or whatever that is outlined. So people know what to do if there's a problem. People know what's going to happen if their payment is late. People know what's going to happen if they don't make their payment. People know that if they're in a coaching relationship, that what's discussed is confidential. So I think that having boundaries and contracts really creates a healthy coaching relationship because it sets expectations. It protects every person involved. If it is not protecting one party, then it's very likely that a court isn't going to enforce that contract, right? The contract has to protect both parties. I'm not a lawyer. I've just been in business a long time. So I've you know, heard this many times from attorneys, but definitely talk to somebody who is local to you just to confirm that that is also true where you're based. But I would definitely recommend having contracts for anything that you sell ever and just having really clear boundaries and expectations with clients. Because what I am also noticing is that since people don't have clear boundaries, they will sometimes loosen their boundaries and let someone get access to something that maybe they didn't want to. And then they'll hate that. So they'll kind of like push the client back out and be like, okay, no boundary. But then the client is like, but you didn't say that that was a boundary. And so now it seems like there's kind of a rupture in trust. So an example that I saw posted in a Facebook group, I think it was last year, is someone had posted about how they had a client who was really struggling mentally and emotionally with something. So they decided to give that client their phone number and to really be supporting them. Um, privately and personally in a way that the client hadn't paid for. And then they felt like the client was too needy. So they basically kind of cut them off and said, I can't do this anymore. So this has, this created a lot of issues that this person really didn't realize. And not a single person in the comments realized it because they were like, oh my gosh, yay, you, you're a queen, set boundaries, babe. The thing is, one, they needed to have set the boundaries in the first place. Two, they were probably inappropriately having someone lean on them mentally and emotionally instead of saying, hey, this isn't something that I am, you know, capable of supporting you with. Like, I think maybe um, reaching out to a therapist or a mental health professional might be a better fit for you at this point. And then three, they're kind of kicking that client super harshly out of that non-existent boundary and suddenly stating one. The client is super disappointed, hurt because they have now relied on you in a way that they thought they could. And 
you're not stating the boundary with any sort of like grace, kindness, or love. So now there is a rupture in trust. So I think that sometimes as business owners, what can happen is it's super normal. And I went through this myself is you don't necessarily feel comfortable setting boundaries or setting expectations. So you then have people who will rely on you in ways that you weren't paid for, that you didn't expect. And the instinct can sometimes be to just kind of violently kick everyone away from you and to just kind of stretch your arms out and create space. But the thing about boundaries is they're not necessarily about creating space, but they're about creating a safe space, right? It's not about creating distance between me and my client. It's about creating a safe container and relationship between me and my client where they know that I'm gonna deliver them XYZ number of coaching calls that they can expect me to respond to their questions within a set time frame. that I'm going to do my best and be fully present when I show up for my coaching calls, that anything they share with me in a private coaching session is confidential and I'm not gonna go share that with somebody else, right? Likewise, I expect for my own personal safety that they are going to honor the payment agreements that we have set forth, that they are not gonna steal, copy, reproduce, redistribute, any of the content that I have shared with them inside of my courses. So I am giving them a lot of trust as well in the way that I am you know, offering them coaching services, I'm offering them access to my content, I'm holding a lot of space for them. You know, I expect that they're gonna show up to calls on time. If they don't show up to a call on time, what happens? But then also they know that they can trust me, that I'm gonna deliver what I promised, that I'm gonna support them in the best way that I can, that I'm gonna hold confidential private space for them, right? I can't guarantee confidentiality in a group setting, but in a private setting, if it's a private coaching relationship, then absolutely. So that safe container, that safe space that is created by boundaries and contracts is so essential. And it also, again, if there is a dispute, it gives a path to resolve those. And I think that is really missing at the moment in the coaching industry. And so if you don't have boundaries and you don't have contracts, don't be surprised when people cross your boundaries and disrespect the contracts that you probably had in your head, right? Because we all have social contracts in our head with other people, how we expect them to treat us and interact with us. But if you don't put it on paper, then people will not know, right? You have to set the expectation. The fifth thing that I am hating about the coaching industry right now is that there is no business in business coaching. So more than ever, I have noticed um, a lot of new clients who will come to me interested in working together and I might be their second or third or even fourth coach, but they will have little to no business foundation. So even though they have worked with other coaches before, they do not have a replicable sales process. They do not have a lead generation source. They do not have any sort of structured set product suite. They don't feel clear in their branding and messaging, right? Like there's just no business foundation. It's very disorganized. It's very messy. It's very overwhelming. And I think that's because a lot of quote unquote business con coaching containers have swung so far toward woo and mindset that it's doing a disservice to clients and they're completely unprepared to navigate entrepreneurship. It's creating a lot of unhealthy expectations. It's creating a lot of burnout. It's creating a lot of anxiety. And I think that, you know, a client might be coming to me and they feel like they are successful because they've had a 10K month or they've had a 20K month, but then, you know, they don't have anything to support that. So the next month might be a 2K month. So in some sense, it's kind of like starting from zero. So I do think that 
woo and mindset and energy work and all of that is super essential. I love mindset. I have a free mindset coaching session I host for my clients every Monday. I have my abundant app course. I love mindset. I know you've heard me give this speech before, but it is not the only piece in business coaching. There's so much more to it. There is how to host a sales call, how to turn a potential client into a paying customer. What is a marketing strategy, right? What is a launch strategy? How do you create a funnel? All of this is really essential information that I feel like is just not being taught in business coaching containers anymore. So like my personal kind of mission for the rest of the year, I think is kind of like back to business. Like that's my motto is just to kind of get people back to business. Like let's get back to business principles. Let's get back to business strategies. Let's get back to doing the work because if you don't have a business, then everything is going to feel so much harder. And you might be thinking, okay, but I do have a business, but if you can't step away from your business or it all burns down, do you really have a business or do you have a prison, right? Like you tell me. So the sixth and final thing that I'm hating about the coaching industry right now is that something I've always said is it gets to be easy. And I'm not the only one who said this, right? So many people have been saying this for years. It gets to be easy. It gets to be easy. It gets to be easy. But what has lately happened is that has morphed into it's always easy for me where you see some people really pushing this idea of I just snap my fingers and I make money like everything is so easy for me. And so now people will then buy those secrets from those people who do everything so easily because they also want to do things so easily. But then, you know, they don't also as a kind of unintended consequence of that is they don't want to do anything that feels quote unquote hard. But the reason why it feels hard is because they weren't taught how to do those things. And that's because these business coaching containers aren't actually teaching businesses. So things like growing an audience on social media feels super hard. So people aren't willing to do it because they're only willing to do the things that are easy, but it's not actually hard. You just don't know how to do it. And even if it was hard, right, your job is to find a way to make it easy. That's what it gets to be easy means. It gets to be easy means that I am looking for ways to make this work for me. It means I'm not overcomplicating it. It means I'm not so attached to the story that this is hard or miserable or painful. It means that you are looking for ways to make something work for you. It gets to be easy as a choice, not a promise. And I think that the kind of natural morphing that's happened over the last couple of years where people now think that unless it's easy, it's wrong has left a lot of businesses pretty messy with loose boundaries. Their businesses are pretty stagnant. They're not willing to do the work. You know, expectations have become just really messy. And I think a lot of people are struggling right now and it's because of this kind of overall, right? I've shared six things with you today, but just kind of the overall message is, I think that there is a lack of transparency around how much people are making, how much work goes into doing something, you know, how easy or hard something can be. And there's just not a lot of teaching people the basics and just being willing to sit in the hard with them and supporting them through that process, right? People don't want to be in a coaching container for the long haul, doing the work day in, day out, until it gets easy, they want the quick fix now. And what I'm noticing is a lot of people buying a lot of quick fixes, making zero dollars and zero cents. And so I know it can sometimes feel frustrating. I have a client come to mind. She's in my millionaire mastermind and she's been working with me for 
I would say about eight-ish months now. And um, she wasn't seeing the results that she wanted to for about the first six months, but she was very trusting in the process and she really did the work and she was really willing to find, okay, what's my replicable sales process? Like, what's my offer? What's my message? What's my lead generation source? Doing the work, doing the work, doing the work. And then she messaged me basically saying like, it finally clicked. And it's not that there was finally some super secret. It's that everything you do adds up and then it overflows, right? And so I remember just a couple of weeks ago, she made like $24,000 in about three days or so. Like that is such an amazing accomplishment. And I'm just so, so, so happy for her. And I know that it's only up and up and up from here. And I think that I'm just really grateful to have clients who are willing to trust the process, right? They know that just because they sign up for something, just because they, you know, get the transaction doesn't mean they're automatically going to get the transformation. They have to trust the process. They have to do the work. They have to keep showing up for it. And having that safe space for both of us as coach and client to play in and work together in and collaborate in is what's able to create those results over time. When you're willing to do the work, when you're willing to find ways for it to be easy, when you're willing to get back to business. So as I said, I really didn't want this episode to be a downer and I hope that it wasn't. I just want it to be food for thought for you because if you are feeling resentful or frustrated with the coaching industry, consider this our personal event session, right? You and I are just sitting here shooting the shit, tequila shots, coffee, whatever it is, kombucha, I don't care, but we're just talking about this. We're venting and we're leaving it here. Whatever frustration you have with the coaching industry, leave it here. When the podcast episode ends, the frustration ends because you know now why you're getting frustrated. You know the patterns that you're falling for. You know that the traps that you've maybe walked into and you're done with it, right? You are deciding that you are here for doing the work, that you know that there's not one secret. If there was, it was trusting yourself. You're going to keep coming back to yourself. You're going to put your headlight, what do you call them? not your blinkers, deer deer in a headlight. You're not going to be a deer in a headlight. You're going to have the little things that the horsies have on their face so they don't get distracted, right? You're just going to do your thing. People can say what they want. People can do what they want. Like this is the thing that's frustrating me now in the coaching industry. But four years ago, it was bro marketers, right? Five years from now, it's going to be something else. There's always going to be something about any industry that is annoying or frustrating or aggravating, but it's just about being aware of what's happening. It's about being aware of why it's not serving you and it's about making better choices. So I hope that this episode was helpful for you. If you have any sort of frustration, resentment, anger with the coaching industry, leave it here now. I feel it with you too, but just let it go, release, keep moving, keep doing your thing, keep making money, keep being happy, and it's all working out perfectly for you. Thanks, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Sabrina Phillip podcast. We release new episodes each and every week. So make sure to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review. If you're a woman entrepreneur and you want to work with me to scale your business to six, seven, or even eight figures, send me a message because I'm currently accepting new clients. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'll see you next week.